Hi, and welcome to Over the Road Bible, a podcast from TFC Global. I'm your host, John Coupel, and I'm TFC Global's Denver area chaplain. I've been an overseas missionary in Uganda for six years, where I trained other pastors in scripture, church leadership, and preaching. Since then, I learned about the challenges that truckers and professional drivers face here in America. Loneliness, isolation, addictions, and everything else that's rampant in the industry, and I decided to become a chaplain with TFC Global to make an impact in people's lives. This podcast is for anyone who wants to listen, but I'm making it with professional drivers in mind. Together we'll have a short Bible study that can be listened to on the road or on a break at a truck stop, along with resources to help you get plugged into Christian community while you're on the road. If this podcast is a blessing to you, the best thing you can do to support it is to get the word out and tell other drivers to listen so they can be blessed too. So in the last podcast, we considered an introduction to the book of John, and we looked at John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, and we talked about how John establishes his message in the book to be formatted around the signs that Jesus performed during his earthly ministry. And he was very specific to call them signs. He didn't call them miracles or supernatural acts or anything like that. He was very specific about those signs that Jesus did. And the purpose that John had for choosing the signs which he chose and writing about those things in particular was so that those people who would read his book would believe uh, that Jesus is the Christ. That's what we looked at in the last podcast. In this this recording together, we're going to look at John chapter 1. We're going to open up the, the book together and read the beginning, and we're going to read verses 1 through 18. Now, this is the first section of the book, the way that it's formatted in the ESV. And what's important to remember here is that these section breaks, while there was a natural flow to this original language as it was written in the Greek, these section breaks were added later on by the translators. They're very helpful for us, so it's not necessarily like we should ignore them, but we should just remember that they were added later as a useful aid to understanding the flow of the text. So with that in mind, uh, we're going to look at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Here's what it says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. 
For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. That's John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. We're going to take a short break before we come back and talk about this text. John is the TFC Global Chaplain for the Denver, Colorado area. If you'd like to financially support this podcast to keep it free of advertisements and support chaplaincy work in Denver, you can follow the link in the description to donate through PayPal. If you are from or traveling through the Denver area and would like to talk about chaplaincy services for your company or just meet with a chaplain for prayer, reach out at jonathanc at tfcglobal.org. That's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-C at tfcglobal.org. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, which we just read, there is so much amazing stuff that we could talk about in this passage. But if this recording is going to be a reasonable length of time, I really have to pick and choose a few things that I want to talk about out of here. So what I'm really going to pick to talk about is something that I think is substantial and meaningful that is clear in John's writing, and that's how he portrays both Jesus and John the Baptist as fulfillments of Old Testament prophecies. So just to set this up really quick, uh, in case you don't know, the writer of the Gospel of John is not the same John as John the Baptist. They're two different Johns, okay? So you have the writer of the Gospel of John who was one of the disciples of Jesus, and then you have this other person who is John the Baptist. And so as we're going through the book, you know, don't get those two uh, people confused. Uh, So the first way I think that the gospel writer, the writer of the book of John, is portraying Jesus as a fulfillment of the Old Testament is with the first words in John chapter 1. He says, in the beginning. Now for any person who had any understanding of the Old Testament at the time that Jesus was writing, um, excuse me, at the time that John was writing his gospel about Jesus, for anybody who had any understanding of the Old Testament, they would be extremely familiar with Genesis chapter 1, which of course says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the surface of the deep, and the spirit of God, etc., etc. So you might remember, uh, if you've ever read Genesis, you probably remember those opening words in the beginning. And what John is doing here is he's connecting the word with that phrase in the beginning, because he says there in verse one, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. And so uh, what John does here is he establishes that the word is essential to the creation story of Genesis chapter one. Now he doesn't immediately identify the word in verse one with Jesus Christ. That actually doesn't come until later on. And this is an interesting writing technique that John is using. He's sort of keeping his readers in suspense about what he's actually talking about. He says, the word was with God. The word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. The life was the light of men. But he doesn't actually say who he's talking about. That doesn't come until much later. In fact, he doesn't even identify that he's talking about Jesus until after he gives us this 
this whole uh, little statement about John the Baptist. He says in verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And so if we're reading this and we don't you know, know the story, uh, maybe if, you, if we've never read this before and we can just imagine ourselves reading this for the first time as though it was any other book, reading from, from left to right, uh, we would go, wait, is John the word? Because he says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. He talks all about the word. Then he, he calls it the light. And then he says, there was a man sent by God whose name was John. And so we should be thinking, if we're reading this from left to right, we should be thinking, well, John must be the word. But then he says in verse 7 that he came to bear witness about the light. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. And so now we're reading and we're going, well, wait a minute then, John, who is the light? You still haven't told me who he is. You've told me that John is not the light, but you haven't actually told me who the true light is. And he still doesn't tell us who the true light is all the way until verse, uh, let's see here, verse 14, no, verse 17. He says, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So it's not until the second to last line that John actually identifies who he's talking about. Now, this is the New Testament, and the New Testament was originally written in Greek. But what we ought to understand about John, and what, what this passage makes very clear, is that John was a Hebrew thinker. He wasn't a Greek thinker, but he thought in the same way, even though he wrote in Greek, he thought in the same way as many of the poets of the Old Testament. This is a common technique in Hebrew Old Testament poetry where you make a whole bunch of statements about God, his character, his nature, and all these things, but you don't actually identify who you're talking about until the very last lines of the poem. And so while well, it's hidden in English because it do, it's not formatted on the page like other poems in our Bible, it actually seems pretty apparent that John chapter 1 verses 1 through 18 is a poem. So, so John is opening up his gospel with this, this poetic structure that's used all over the Old Testament. Uh, I'm going to introduce you to a little bit of a, of a technical term when it comes to understanding uh, Hebrew poetry, and that, that term is chiasm. Um, I'm going to make the claim here that John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, is a chiasm. And what that means is uh, it, chiasm is actually not a literary term originally, but it was borrowed by literature. It was actually a term that referred to crystals. And when you have a crystal that is perfectly symmetrical so that you can cut it down the middle and it looks the same on both sides, it's called a chiral structure. But what that means uh, in, in literature is that you have this poetic structure and if I were to take ideas and label them with A, B, and C, the structure of this poem goes A, B, C, B, A. Now here's what I mean. John opens up by talking about the word. In the beginning was the word. And then word comes up again later in the poem in verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. In verse 4, he stops using the metaphor word and starts using the metaphor light. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. Well, light comes up again in verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And then 
in the middle of these, these uh, word and light metaphors, he gives us a statement about John the Baptist. So if I'm going to structure the, the poetic structure of John chapter 1, if I'm going to, to maybe outline that structure, it would say word, light, John the Baptist, light, word. This is a common Hebrew uh, way of writing poetry. Um, chiastic structures are all over the Old Testament. You can find them all over the Psalms, all over the Proverbs. It was an extremely common way of writing in the Old Testament. It's not very natural to us as English speakers because we emphasize our writing by putting our main points at the beginning and at the end. You, you give an introduction, you give a conclusion, that's how we write in English. But in Hebrew, that wasn't so much the case. They emphasize the main point of their writing by placing it at the middle of a chiastic structure. And in John chapter 1, the middle of the chiastic structure is John the Baptist. Or they place their main point at the end after the chiastic structure is finished, which is in John chapter 1, verse 17, where he compares Jesus with Moses. So the two points of emphasis of John chapter 1 are John the Baptist and Jesus being compared to Moses. So I hope all that makes a little bit of sense. Um, you know, one thing I never want to do is I never want to dumb down <laughs> the Word of God. Um, it, it, it's written by such amazingly intelligent authors, and I, I, I want to try to capture what they're saying. And here's what I think John is trying to say to us in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, by writing this amazing poem using this Hebrew poetic structure, even though it's written in Greek, he's emphasizing John the Baptist and he's emphasizing Jesus being compared to Moses. Why is that important and what is John doing by emphasizing those two points? So I want to take a second and go back and talk about the Old Testament. Before the Old Testament was formatted in the way we have it in our English Bibles, it actually was formatted differently in the Hebrew Bible. Back when it was still the Hebrew Bible, before the authors of the New Testament had written their Gospels and their letters, uh, the Old Testament was, was all there was. And the books of the Old Testament were in a different order than they are in our Bibles today. They were split into three sections. The first section was called the Torah which is the Hebrew word that in English means law. It's the first five books of the Bible, so Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The second section in Hebrew was called the Nevi'im, which in English would translate to the prophets. And this section contains the history books like Joshua, Judges, and Kings, and it also contains prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, and minor prophets like Hosea and maybe Joel. Uh, the last section, the third section of the Hebrew Bible in Hebrew was called the Ketuvim, which in English is translated to the writings or the other writings. And this contains all the poetry books like Psalms and Proverbs, but it also ends with Chronicles, which we tend to think of as a history book. So these three sections, the Torah, the Nevi'im, and the Ketuvim were turned into an acronym, T-N-K, which was pronounced Tanakh. So if you hear me talk about the Tanakh, you know I'm referring to the Old Testament, but in that format that it was formatted back before it was translated into Greek and then later into English. 
so without getting into any more you know unnecessary detail, my point is that the Old Testament used to be in a different order before it was translated into English. That order is what the New Testament authors like John would have been familiar with, and it's how they would have referred to the Old Testament. So what's my point in saying all this? My point is that in John chapter 1, John is portraying Jesus and John the Baptist as fulfillments of Old Testament prophecy. And in order to understand that Old Testament prophecy, I want to look at the Old Testament in these three parts, the, the Torah or the law, the prophets, and the other writings. So in the last book of the Torah, we're going to take this one section at a time. So we're just going to zoom in on the Torah. In the last book, in the last lines of the book, it says, There has not arisen a prophet like Moses in Israel, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs. Well, that's interesting because John's concerned with Jesus's signs. For all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants, to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. So if you read the Bible, like any other book from beginning to end, from left to right, instead of starting in John like we are, you would actually be looking for a prophet like Moses ever since you finished reading Deuteronomy. And in John chapter 1, verse 17, John says, The law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So what John is saying is, Jesus is that prophet like Moses that we have been expecting and anticipating since the end of Deuteronomy. Okay, so that's the first part of the Old Testament. I'm going to move now to the second part of the Old Testament, which is the Nevi'im, or in English, the prophets. And here's the last book of the prophets. It's Malachi. And here's the last statement. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Now remember, by his poetic structure, John is emphasizing John the Baptist as an important person in Old Testament fulfillment. So here's what Luke chapter 1 verse 17 says about John the Baptist. So this is the angel who goes to the father of John the Baptist and he says, And he, John the Baptist, will go before him, that's Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Well, that's exactly the same phrase that we read at the end of Malachi. So what's happening here is according to John chapter 1, as well as Luke chapter 1, John the Baptist is the person who comes in the spirit and power of Elijah uh, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and preparing the way for Jesus. Now, lastly, the third section of the Hebrew Bible is in Hebrew, the Ketuvim, or in English, the other writings. And it also has an interesting ending. It ends with a Persian king named Cyrus signing a decree to send all of the captives from Jerusalem back from their captivity to go rebuild their city in the promised land, Jerusalem. And it says, this is part of the, the decree of King Cyrus. It says, whoever is among you of all his people, may the Lord his God be with him. Let him go up. And that's the end. It sort of ends with a, with a dot, dot, dot. Because if you read the Cyrene decree in another book, 
which is uh, Ezra, you'll notice that in Chronicles, at the end of the other writings, it actually ends with an incomplete sentence, as if to say, the last line of the Old Testament is saying that the story is not finished. It's incomplete. And so if you just look at the last statements of the three sections of the original format of the Hebrew Bible, which is our Old Testament, it says that, one, there will be a prophet like Moses who comes. Two, Elijah will come and prepare the way for that prophet like Moses, and John the Baptist comes in the spirit of Elijah. And three, the story is incomplete. So I'm supposed to be talking about John chapter 1, and I've talked a whole lot about the Old Testament. And you might be thinking, well, I don't know any more about John chapter 1 after you've talked all this about the Old Testament. Um, so I want to sort of summarize and, and conclude with a bit of a summary uh, to, to bring us back to John's main point. And it's this, the Torah ends with an expectant anticipation of a prophet like Moses who's going to come lead Israel again. The prophets end with an expectant anticipation of another prophet like Elijah who's going to come and prepare the way for this prophet like Moses, and the other writings end with an incomplete sentence, which, which gives us an expectant anticipation that the story is not over, but is going to continue. John chapter 1, by emphasizing John the Baptist at the middle of the chiastic structure of his poem, and emphasizing Jesus being compared with Moses at the end of his poem, uses this expectant anticipation prophecies from the Old Testament to tell us that what he is writing about all throughout his gospel is the fulfillment of these Old Testament prophecies. It says that the more to come of the Old Testament, there will be another prophet like Moses, another prophet like Elijah, and this is not the end of the story. That more to come is what Jesus's ministry on earth was all about. And we're going to know that because John uses these signs of Jesus to tell us that. As we continue through the book of John and we read about the signs that John talks about in Jesus's ministry, we're going to see how John is concerned with letting his readers know that God's plan to complete the story of the Old Testament is actually fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So the person who redeemed Israel out of Egypt we're talking about Moses bringing Israel out of Egypt. Jesus is going to do that with the people who follow him. He's going to redeem them out of their sin. And in the way that the Old Testament ends with an incomplete statement, Jesus is going to be the completion of that story. The one who comes along and saves the church and his followers individually from their sins through repentance to be in a right relationship with God. And, and at the core of it, that's what the gospel is all about, is that our sin has separated us from God, but Jesus, by fulfilling all these Old Testament prophecies, by living this perfect life and this prophetic life, and then dying on the cross, which we're going to get to later on in the Gospel of John, he made a way to restore the relationship between God and humanity that was broken by sin. I mean, that's the whole gospel right there. That's the good news is that if we, if we follow Jesus and if we commit ourselves to following him, repenting of our sins, then we can be saved. And 
that's what John is emphasizing here at the beginning of his uh, at the beginning of his gospel. He's emphasizing that Jesus is that person. Now, as we get beyond this opening poem of the Gospel of John, we're going to see how and why Jesus is that person who brings us to salvation and a right relationship with the Lord. The Gateway to Freedom Foundation is TFC Global's anti-human trafficking initiative that combats human trafficking by driving down the demand in cities across the United States. We accomplish this by freeing and protecting people from consumer sexual beliefs and behaviors so they can thrive in their life, relationships, and community. We connect buyers of consumer sex to proven pathways and resources that lead to freedom. We educate on victim identification as well as how to respond in safe and effective ways leading to rescue. We train chaplains and lay leaders across the United States to identify and deter criminal activity. If you need help in a shame-free environment to be set free of sexual sin, please reach out to the TFC Global Office at 717-426-9977 or email us at gateway at tfcglobal.org. To everyone who listened in today to the Over the Road Bible podcast, I want to thank you for spending the time with me and reading the Bible together. I hope that this has been an encouragement and blessing for you. Next time, we'll keep moving through the book of John, and soon we hope to put out a few special episodes with guests talking about other topics important for y'all out on the road. I appreciate you, and I appreciate the work that you do. God bless you.